255. I'm your host, Hector. Mind Grenade is a pop culture-based show that dives into TV, movies, music, comics, and a whole lot more. And this is yet another edition of the 2000 Movies version of the podcast. This is where um, I review a film that I'm finally getting around to. These are movies that I've wanted to watch, but for whatever reason, just uh, slipped past me. So um, I've just watched the film, and I'm going to kind of give you a spoiler-free review of the film. So no need to worry about any plot points being ruined or any twists being uh, spoiled for you. I'll just speak in generalities about the film. And the film in question is 2017's Dunkirk, directed by Christopher Nolan. And um, another little uh, requirement for these films, uh, how I pick these films, is that they have had to come out after the year 2000, hence 2000 movies. And uh, Dunkirk falls right squarely into that, 2017. But before I get into that, let me um, let me thank everyone for listening, for tuning in. I am very grateful, as are my co-hosts. But uh, this is a solo affair, so let me kind of give you kind of some context of where I'm at, where my frame of mind is at. It's the uh, middle of the week as I'm recording this. And uh, over the past weekend, uh, I got to go to the movie theater, kind of a, an impromptu thing because I hadn't planned it. But a couple days before that, uh, a friend of the show, Zibin, shout out Zibin, um, asked if I had heard about this um, anime. So right away I'm giving away which movie I'm talking about to you anime heads out there. But um, he asked me if I had heard about this anime and I told him I didn't. Only that I'd seen it kind of trending here and there because it was competition from Mortal Kombat in the last couple weeks. Um, he was telling me about it. Tell me it was a TV series. It was a manga prior to that. I think it was the manga was in 2016 and the TV series was in 2019. And uh, the film was a 2020 film. And the film is a continuation of the TV series. So the movie kicks off right at the right where the TV series ended. And um, I told him I knew nothing about it. and But I still... I was interested in checking it out. Um, he he was re- a- 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 as desperate as he was to to go watch this film. He offered to give me time to watch some of the TV series. I told him I could just dive right in. Uh, I, I didn't have the time to go back and watch a TV series. Um, but uh, and I'm burying the lead here. The the film is a Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba. The movie Mujin Train. Mujin stands for Infinity. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, I knew zero about it other than I'd kind of heard the name bouncing around. I'd never seen an anime in the movie theater, which was awesome, uh, awesome, uh, kind of prospect that I was uh, looking forward to. Um, we ended up watching it, of course, in Japanese, uh, with the subtitles. Um, I, uh, yeah, man, uh, I would call it a success a success story because um i immediately uh started watching this series once i was done with the movie i went back and watched the first episode of the series which is on hulu um it's by the same it's the same name demon slayer uh kimetsu no yaiba and um yeah what got me was were the characters uh really uh grew attached to the characters um even though i wasn't wrapped up in the mythology, was uh, taking it all in in Japanese. Um, I I, I kind of told myself to just 
like just kind of let it wash off, wash over me. I wasn't trying to like like I I I didn't read a lot of the uh, subtitles. I just decided to just kind of follow the characters expressions and just listen to them and just follow along. Um, it worked. I, I'm hooked now. <laughs> um, the animation is incredible. I had never seen animation that good. Uh, the combination of the, uh, traditional, um, draw hand drawn animation along with the, uh, 3d composite stuff was like the best blend of it that I've ever seen before. I've seen that style of animation before, but this is like the best like version of it. Um, what more can I say about this film? I, I'm just grateful that Zibin invited me to go watch it because, yeah, um, uh, I, I wasn't about to binge the season to jump into the movie, but I'm glad that the movie hooked me enough to go back and, and start the, uh, the series. Um, yeah, uh, um, you know, uh, I'll, I'll save, uh, more discussion on this film for when I get together with Jason, Ian, and Matt to talk more about it. Uh, but yeah, um, wow, I'm so glad <laughs> again uh, that I got to check it out. Um, it's it's apparently the highest grossing film in Japan. It's the highest grossing film of 2020, um, which the highest grossing film of 2020 worldwide is got an It's probably going to have an asterisk next to it because. The box office wasn't open all year long. There weren't a lot of movies to compete with. But the highest grossing film in Japan um, is pretty legit, I am in, in my view. Um, this thing's like super popular um, within the anime community and in Japan in general. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I'm glad I uh, went from just like, oh, what's this weird anime movie that... Uh, uh, in competition with Mortal Kombat, which I, I didn't, I don't care about Mortal Kombat at all, but I was just curious to see as the box office is opening back up to see what, you know, what was competing against what. So I went from random anime movie that I didn't know anything about to now I'm just all about it. I'm, you know, and uh, uh, a lot of it uh, went over my head, but um, I think that a good story one of the signs of a good story is that you should be able to jump in anywhere and kind of get swept away. If, I mean, you know, there, there, there's stories where you start at the beginning and it doesn't connect with you. But I think a really good story, I think you can jump in the middle of Wizard of Oz and then just be intrigued and kind of go with the flow. Um, but there's other stories, other TV shows, other movies where you start at the beginning and you just right away, you're like, ah. maybe not right away, but it, it, it never just connects. You know, you give it five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, a whole episode or, you know, a whole act of a movie and there's nothing there. Um, but I think that a sign of a good story is that you should be able to be dropped in anywhere in the story and be whisked away and enjoy it on a certain level. Um, which is what happened with this film, uh, with uh, Demon Slayer, Kimetsu no Yaiba, uh, Mujin Train. Um, yeah, I uh, um, it definitely was whisked away. <laughs> so uh, we'll we'll move to to the uh, main event here. Uh, we'll go from Asia to Europe, circa 1940. 
with uh, with Dunkirk, uh, Christopher Nolan film from 2017, starring Kenneth Branagh, Killian Murphy, Tom Hardy, which uh, have all worked with Christopher Nolan before. Um, let's see who else is in this. Mark Rylance, um, Fionn Whitehead, who I hadn't heard of before, uh, young actor. And uh, this name I've heard of before, Harry Styles is in this film too. Um, don't know too much about uh, Harry Styles' music, but um, um, I gotta say, uh, pretty decent actor. So uh, kudos to Harry Styles there. Uh, so this is um, a war film, obviously. Uh, this is about the uh, evacuation of the Brits that were stranded in Dunkirk. And Dunkirk is a town and a port in northern France. Um, there were some French people there, uh, obviously. Uh, definitely some Germans. Um, and, you know, yes, uh, there are plenty of World War II films. Um, and deservedly so. That was a big war. It's uh, relatively recent. Um, very clear kind of lines drawn, uh, good guys, bad guys. Uh, but, um, uh, and, and, you know, my personal feelings is, uh, I think we were on the right side and they were on the bad side. Um, having said that, uh, as a present day American, um, I, uh, and a veteran, I, I served in the U.S. Air Force. Um, I fucking love German people. I love Germany. I hope to visit there one day. Same with Japan. I fucking love Japan. I'm planning a trip to Japan this year. I love Japanese people and the culture and everything. Um, that war had to happen. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, it's... Uh, it's uh, yet another World War II film. What I like about this film, um, and I'll get into the, the, the meat and potatoes of, of my review here, is, um, you know, we've seen um, this war from our point of view dozens of times. Uh, I like this because it's from the Brits' point of view and a, and a certain specific uh, theater of it, like a, a vantage point of it. Where um, it's still, what, 1940? Yeah, so um, they're in the thick of it, or just getting started, I guess, right? Because I, I, the, the, the year that always comes to my head is 1944. Um, so, yeah, they're, uh, they're having to uh, retreat the Brits, and that, can't, that couldn't have been easy, you know? <laughs> um, and... Um, they, uh, but, but yeah, I, I was, um, intrigued that it was from a different point of view of one of the other allies in the war. So the, uh, the Brits are, are, uh, just desperate to, to, to get out of there. The, the movie starts out right away with like these soldiers, um, walking through the town and leaflets are being dropped and, one of the soldiers, one of the British soldiers grabs one of the leaflets and the leaflet says, you are surrounded. It's the Germans fucking with them. <laughs> I mean, the Germans have, uh, what is it, like 400,000 um, Brits are on this beach just waiting to get rescued. 
and the Germans are just coming in and just like dive bombing, just shooting at them from the air, from the, the their planes and stuff. Um, as Germans just like closing in on them. So it's real desperate. And uh, fuck, yeah, like uh, it's uh, it, it was very bleak. And you know what? That looking, thinking back now to when this film was being released, that was one of my things that kind of like uh, made me hesitant to watch it, to to want to watch it uh, right away. Was that it looked bleak, which it was. <laughs> the story is bleak, but. For me, the saving grace of this film is the framing device, the time framing device that Christopher Nolan implements um, in the story. He splits up our protagonists by land, sea, and air. And uh, when you're following the story, it jumps back and forth. uh, And the soldiers on land you get to see a week of what they went through and then the boats at sea uh, the english channel I, I i take it i guess between uh france and um uh, britannia uh, the the boats at sea you get to see one day of their story of this story and then the uh the spitfire pilots in the air, you get to see an hour of what they went through, but it all overlaps, and you jump back and forth. You 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 follow the soldiers on land. You follow the the people trying to make it to um, to the beaches of Dunkirk by sea. Uh, you see a day of what they went through, and at the same time, it's cutting back to Tom Hardy. And the pilots and the Spitfire jets um, trying to, um, you know, help out the soldiers um, on land. And you only see an hour's worth of what they went through. And it, like I said, it all overlaps and um, it all it all makes sense. I mean, I, I do realize that me explaining this is uh, <laughs> is uh, might 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 be a little confusing, but. Um, the film, as it was edited and put together, completely flows. And I feel like without this framing device, I wouldn't have enjoyed the film as much as I did. And enjoy is not the right word. I get it. It's um, appreciated the film. I wouldn't have, have appreciated the film as much if it wasn't for this clever fucking framing device. So kudos to uh, to Christopher Nolan and his... Um, pretty sure he wrote this so uh, his writing team would be him um i uh and, and then the other thing uh that was amazing about this film and that made me kind of regret not watching it in the theater was uh that it was mostly filmed for IMAX and there are a couple shots especially with the um the uh choreography with the uh the uh, dog fights and stuff uh the uh battles between the Spitfires and the Luftwaffe, uh, I think that's how you say that, the German Air Force there, um, was incredible. And I can only imagine um, what it would have looked like with a ginormous screen. Um, yeah, it, I could tell it was, even without, before I read the Wikipedia page, I can tell <laughs> Christopher Nolan was 
uh, flexing his IMAX, uh, his IMAX skills. Um, and it was pretty impressive on my TV screen here at the apartment. So what else can I say about this film? Um, it's, it's, it's a gorgeously shot film. It's beautiful to look at, even though the subject matter is, is, um, is harsh, but like the, the colors are so rich and, um, the framing, everything. It's, it's almost, there's a couple of times I was caught myself thinking that some of these shots are better looking than, uh, than paintings. Like it's just, it's, it's, it's very, and it's nothing new to fans of Christopher Nolan. His his stuff is very. Um, he, he the guy's an artist. <laughs> he just happens to be a filmmaker, um, who who is an artist. Um, very impressive as always. Um, not sure where I would rank this in his filmography. Um, it's up there. It's on the top half. I would say it's hard to compare him to his other films because. Uh, this is, um, it's a war film. I don't think he's done a war film before. I can't think of one that he's done. Um, I'd say, uh, I like this more than like Interstellar. Um, uh, yeah, oh boy. Um, um, I probably put it on par with Tenet, but, uh, Tenet, I have to watch again. And I feel like Tenet had, just thinking back, I think Tenet had 10 minutes too much. Like they could have trimmed it back a tiny little bit. Um, but speaking of Tenet, that's how um, I got recommended this film. Uh, Matt stopped me uh, a couple weeks back and uh, was raving about his viewing of Tenet. He really enjoyed it, which I was very happy. And, uh, cause I, I enjoyed the film when I watched it last year and, um, he, uh, brought up Dunkirk and I was like, that's one of the very few Christopher Nolan films I haven't watched. And, uh, he, he, um, he gave it a pretty high recommendation. Um, uh, the film specifically, but Christopher Nolan in general, he's, he's as much of a fan of Christopher, Christopher Nolan as I am. So. Um, I had to uh, add this film to my list of uh, 2000 movies, and, I, and I'm glad I did. Um, so uh, I think I've exhausted everything I could say about this film, um, so I'll give it a grade. Uh, I'm going to give it a solid B+. Plus. Um, that's a pretty strong recommendation. Obviously, you need to know what you're getting into. It's a war film, and like I said earlier, given that fact, he keeps it so that you're, it keeps your interest throughout. I didn't feel a lull anywhere. It moved. Um, I liked the characters. Here, here's a weird one. There isn't a lot of speaking in the movie. And also, you hardly see any French people or German people. This is a very British movie. And from interviews I watched on YouTube after I watched the film, um, this is a well-known World War II story amongst British people. And uh, so, um, yeah, I, and, and I, I was uh, proclaiming my love for um, Deutschland, to the Germans, and for my um, 
admiration for Japanese people, but uh, I also have a huge love for for uh, English uh, for people of Great Britain. Um, I was lucky lucky enough to visit there a couple years back, and and it's one of the only places I've visited that I want to repeat visit. So um, I'm glad that they got the, that uh, British folk got to make this movie and uh, make us all aware of uh, of this particular story. It's made me more sympathetic to what had gone on there in the uh, European theater. So all right, um, let's see. Uh, I um, Matt recommended this film to me. So out of my other two co-hosts, who would I recommend this to? Um, I'd probably say Jason over Ian. Um, Jason and I have had conversations off air uh, about uh, military stuff and war stuff, and he's got relatives that uh, um, have been in wars and and stuff like that. So um, I think he'd appreciate this film over Ian. I'm sure Ian would probably get something out of it, but I would, out of the two, I would recommend it to Jason over Ian. So this was my review of Dunkirk. If you're interested in checking it out, it's on HBO Max streaming right now. And uh, let's see. I'm going to tease the next couple episodes. Um, the next episode is going to be a regular episode of the podcast with uh, with my co-hosts. Um, although Matt's probably not going to be in on this next one because um, he's on vacay. So it'll be Ian, Jason, and I. And um, I kind of plan it fast and loose with this next episode because we're reaching kind of a milestone with anniversary um, of the podcast. And uh, I just kind of want to have fun on the next episode. So um, I'm probably going to do very, very little production or pre-production on the next one. And then after that, I'll be back with another 2000 Movies review. And I think I'm going to do the new Guy Ritchie movie that's going to be in theaters um, this next weekend. Uh, Wrath of Man, which is a Jason Statham film. Um, oh boy, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that it's good because <laughs> I'm a fan of Guy Ritchie's, but he's got some stinkers in his filmography. So um, I'm hoping it's one of the good ones. And um, let's see. I think that's it. I think that's an episode. Um, let's see. Um, you can find the podcast. There's always a stream of the of the podcast on MindGrenadeStudios.com. Um, on iTunes, you can subscribe, um, and you can really just find the podcast wherever podcasts are found. Spotify, um, Overcast, I think it's one. I always confuse Overcast with something else, Overwatch. Yeah, so it is Overcast. <laughs> uh, Overwatch is a video game. Um, so thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. This has been Hector saying so long, and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>